Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. It's imperative as Christians that we understand that grace and works are completely incompatible methods of salvation. If we try and add just a little bit of our own works to salvation, then it is no longer God's grace alone. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 11, that we may learn this extremely important principle that if it's by grace, then it cannot be by works. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas and uh, just just spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, right? Uh, growing to love him. It's uh, just never gets old, right? It's uh, maybe if I say it enough times, maybe if I say it like another 10,794 times, we'll start doing it more. What do you think, right? All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So uh, Romans 11 today, we're going to start just uh, bam. I mean, uh, 10 chapters in the books. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And uh, Romans 11, um, again, another chapter dealing with Israel. Remember, chapters 9, 10 and 11 are are dealing, um, you know, very, very much with the nation of Israel and, uh, you know, their their rejection of the gospel of Christ. And now. Paul's going to continue this discussion here in chapter 11. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. We just, we thank you for this wonderful book of Romans, Father. And uh, But above all, Father, we thank you for, for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf and in our place that we should have died. And we we thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So I don't know if we'll go through 12 or if we'll go through verse 10, maybe 12, 13. We'll see how far we get. So, all right. Romans 11, verse 1. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah how he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened. 
As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. All right. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, again, you know, uh, hard stuff. We, we've dealt with, uh, you know, a lot of difficult things in these chapters, right? We, we, we're again in this chapter, we're dealing with the, with the doctrine of, of election. Again, remember, election, God choosing or electing or predestining those, you know, who would receive salvation happened, according to Ephesians 1, 4, before the, the world was created, right? Before the creation of the world, um, God elected those who would receive salvation. So, I mean, man, uh, stop and think about that. So that's a reality. Uh, the scripture makes that clear. Now, what's not clear is what was his reasoning behind it? What was the cause for him to choose and elect and predestine those he did to receive salvation? And what was the cause for allowing him, for him allowing all others to go their own way and spend an eternity in hell separated from him? Again, it is, it is important that we understand that, that every single human being, all of us for all eternity, okay, would have gone our own way. Every single human being is sinful and, and all of us would have, would have perished for eternity in hell under the wrath of God, if not for his grace and mercy and intervention in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay. So God, the son, Jesus enters this world. Okay. Becomes a human man, lives a perfect righteous life on behalf of all humanity, dies a torturous death on behalf of humanity and, and is alive and risen. Now that's appropriated to each individual in person by faith. Okay. So it's available to everyone, but it's appropriated by, by your faith, your trust, your reliance in Jesus Christ, by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you, right, Corinne? It's kind of nice. And, uh, and the sinful, disobedient life that we lived, all our sin, past, present, and our future sin in this life, is credited to Jesus at the cross. That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And that 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 crediting of righteousness and the removal of our sin, um, that's what we're elected to, okay? That's what we're predestined for. All of this happened before the creation of the world. So again, God, again, looking down the channels of time, so to speak, right, um, elects all that haven't even been born um, for salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord, this is a biblical reality and all the rest, you know, go their own way and spend eternity in hell. So what we discussed is what, what was the reasoning behind this? Why did 
God choose? Why did he elect? Why did he predestine those that he chose? Uh, did it have anything to do with us? For example, did God, obviously knowing all things, did, did he foreknowing who, when presented with the gospel, would accept it and thereby simply choose or elect or predestine those that he knew would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, certainly that seems reasonable, right? That does seem fair, okay? Uh, the, the vast majority, the, the literally the 99, 98.5% of Christians do find that to be a reasonable interpretation of the passages on election and, and predestination and God choosing um, you know, who's going to be saved. That seems like a reasonable basis, right? Uh, based on this interpretation, God is not just, you know, arbitrarily, so to speak, choosing who's going to be saved, you know, just based in, you know, his, his own desires, right? Here, he really is desiring all humanity to receive him. He wants every human being to receive Jesus Christ, our Lord, and he's predestining those that he knows will receive him. Now, again, that would be a uh, that would be a, an understandable interpretation for the ninety eight point five percent of Christians in in the world today. Now, there is a, a, around one point five percent of Christians are, are called Reformed or or Calvinist Christians, and that's that's not what they believe. They believe that 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 God elected us predestined us and chose us, and it had nothing at all to do with anything that we would believe, anything we would do um, in any manner or in any way. It was it was his own choice. It was his own desire, utterly independent of us. Um, obviously, you know, uh, that's that's not intuitive. It's not it doesn't it's not fair, so to speak, in our understanding of fairness. And Paul has been dealing with that in these chapters, right? So, all right. So quick review there. All right. So verse one, I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. So you remember the apostle Paul is, is writing this, this letter to Romans. He, you know, he has been born and raised a, a, a devout Jew. Um, he says, I am an Israelite myself a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. So again, based on what he said, the question could come to mind that, that golly, God rejected his own people. When, when you go back and see, you know, and in, in, uh, the Lord is speaking to Moses, he's explaining that he didn't, he didn't choose Israel because that they were the greatest nation or the largest nation or the most powerful nation. He chose them and loved them, you know, and they, they really they didn't have anything to offer, right? Um, and so he chooses this nation, the nation of Israel, right? He begins it with, with Abraham. Um, and so since all of Israel, like the 99% of Israel still to this day, has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that was the case in Paul's day, right? Even greater numbers um, had not received him. Paul, Paul asks the question or anticipates the question. I asked then, did God reject his people? And Paul says, by no means, I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul is one of the, one of the Israelites, okay? So no, God did not reject his people. Verse two, 
God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. So now again, here's this word foreknew. Um, again, it, it the, the word has, uh, it's an understanding that he knew you intimately beforehand, but it also certainly means that he does foreknow, you know, everything that you would say and do before you do it. So when it says God did not reject his people whom he foreknew, don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? And now he's going to quote uh, the, the Old Testament. Again, you're going to consistently see Paul quoting the scriptures as the authority. And as I've said over and over, right, rap, that ought to be that ought to be what we do. Right. We ought to consistently be going to the scriptures. Right, Pop, um, you know, for our authority. All right. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? We were in Bible study yesterday and, you know, I kept saying that over and over. Don't you know what the scripture says? Don't you know what the scripture says? You see it there, Nathan? God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Verse two, don't you know what the scripture says? And, and that really ought to, to be something that we, we drill down into our hearts and minds, that we ought to know what the scripture says about any, ma about any matter, okay? Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, right, Melanie? All of these things, don't you know what the scripture says? Verse two, don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Verse three, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. That's 1 Kings 10, 14. Verse four, and what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. All right, that's 1 Kings 19, verse 18. So, so Elijah is, is struggling. I mean, he's, you know, uh, just, just the, you know, he, he can't see a, a, a believing Israelite anywhere. And so he, he comes to the end of himself and says, you know, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And, uh, you know, those of us who, who, you know, are ministers and those of us who walk with Christ, I confess that, you know, foolishly I have, I have sometimes felt like, Lord, I'm the only one doing this. How come no one else is doing this? Right, Corinne? I mean, like, like Elijah here, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me. Lord, there's no one else out there trying to, trying to serve Jesus, which of course is ridiculous, right? There are actually many thousands, tens of thousands that no doubt are, are, are serving him and loving him far more than I am. But, you know, it just... Uh, Sometimes it does get difficult when, uh, you know, when no one wants to do this, when it just seems like we live in a world and often even in a church where we don't want to grow to know Jesus and walk with Jesus and, you know, and love him. Right. And work together to, to, to know him. Right. And, and, and build one another up in that. Um, you know, uh, most Christians, you know, they're, they're fine going to church, but they they really don't have a desire to to go to go deeper in their walk with Jesus. And so, you know, we come to these, or I have come to these, uh, you know, 
these pity parties. Lord, I mean, ain't no one doing nothing, right? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me. Verse four, and what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So Elijah can't see anyone else, but the Lord assures him, first of all, that, that, that he has a remnant, okay? That no, Elijah, you're not the only one. As a matter of fact, I got 7,000 who are, who are living for me the way you are, okay? Um, now, what, what's Paul's point here? His point is that, verse 5, so too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And so, um, although the vast majority of Israel has rejected Christ, they've, they've hardened their hearts, they've continued to pursue God based on, you know, based on law, which was never the reason the Ten Commandments or the law was given. Certainly, we, we ought to try to obey these things. But, but the law was never given to us. The Ten Commandments were never given to us as a way of salvation. Um, they, they were given to us for, for our benefit and for our blessing, that if we follow them, certainly we'll live a more a productive and a blessed life. But they were never a means of salvation. They were actually a means of showing us how sinful we really are and, and how badly we need a savior. So the, the law, the 10 commandments, when you look it down in these things and you're like, man, I don't, I'm not keeping any of these, right? You know, when you read them and you say, you know, thou shall not uh, kill, thou shall not murder. And uh, Jesus says, if you get angry with your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. It says, thou shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, you know, thou shall not lie. Thou shall not steal. Well, all of us have taken something we shouldn't have taken here or there. All of us have stretched the truth a little bit. When we really understand these commandments, we've broken all of them. Okay. And we look at that and we're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. I'm desperate. I need a savior. Um, and it's meant to point us to Jesus. Now for Paul, and for, you know, and for a, a small number of Jewish people in his day, they understood that and they received Jesus Christ and they trusted in Jesus and they, you know, they followed Jesus as their only Lord and Savior. But the vast majority of Israel has rejected him, right? Israel rejected God. So God didn't reject his people, right? Um, and so too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And so what does he, what does he mean by this? Okay, so again, it's saying that, that God has chosen a remnant, right? A, a small amount of people by grace. There it is. So they are chosen to receive salvation, to receive the forgiveness of their sins in Jesus Christ our Lord. Once again, it doesn't tell us what the reasoning for the choice was, but it's certainly by grace, Every single one of us who has received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's not because we're wonderful. It's not because we're, we're smart. It, it, it's because of the grace of God. It's because of his unmerited favor, his undeserved favor toward us. Our salvation is a gift offered to us. If you work even a little bit, then it's not a gift anymore. Look what he says. So too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Look at verse six. It's one of the most important verses in the Bible. 
Okay, verse six. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. This is an essential, essential verse, okay? Um, we're not saved. We're not forgiven of our sin. We do not go to heaven, Scott, based on anything we have done, on any good things we've done, based on any bad things we've done. Our salvation is entirely from beginning to end by God's grace, his unmerited favor. It's a complete gift offered to us. We can either accept that gift, that free gift of salvation. We can receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We can trust in him, rely on him, and cling to him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. And we will be saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Or we can reject it, okay? But it is by grace, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Grace and works, they don't mix, David, okay? They, they don't go together, Becky, okay? Grace and works, they, 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 they can't mix. So if today you say, if you would say, you know, I believe in Jesus, um, but also, you know, I'm, I'm trying to live a good life and, you know, I believe that's going to help me get to heaven, then, then it's not by grace, because once you've, once you've inserted a little bit of yourself into it, right, Susan? Once you've tried to put a little bit of, of your own works, you've added to what Jesus has done, and now and we've ruined grace, okay? When it's by grace, it's no longer by works. It's completely a gift. Again, if, if, if you work even a little bit, then it's not a gift anymore, okay? It's not a complete gift. It's not grace anymore if you've added works to it, okay? So this is an essential verse. Um, there is a good portion of the church that is still mixing grace and works with regard to salvation. Now, we, we ought to live a lifestyle of doing good works, but it, it has nothing to do with helping us go to heaven, okay? It has nothing to do with getting us to heaven, we, we live a lifestyle of good works because of what Jesus has done for us. And, and, it, and it's a response to his grace and his mercy and his love for us. We, we want to live for him. Okay, right. We want to we want to live a lifestyle where we love him. We do want to serve him. We do want to do the good works that the Bible tells us to do, but not so that we can be saved, but because we we are saved and we understand the price that was paid for our salvation at the cross, right? So again, and if by grace, then it is no longer by works. You can't put any works into your salvation. It has to come entirely by the grace of our heavenly father in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If it were, grace would no longer be grace, okay? It's not grace anymore once you add works to it. Verse seven, what then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain but the elect did. The others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. Again, hard verse, right? What then? Verse 7. What Israel sought so earnestly, 
it did not obtain. So again, Israel was earnest. Paul testifies, right, that 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 they are, you know, in the last chapter, he testified that that they're zealous for God, he said, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. And again, what then, what Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, okay? So again, Israel earnestly sought for eternity and to have eternal life with God, but they, they didn't obtain it, again, because they didn't, they didn't pursue it as if it were by grace. They pursued it as if it were by law, like by following the Ten Commandments or, or being obedient, you could earn your way to heaven. And, and we can't. The only way we can, we can get to heaven is to humble ourselves, acknowledge our hopeless, helpless, desperate situation, our need of a Savior, and run to the foot of the cross and embrace Jesus Christ and receive his free gift, his free offer of salvation. It's only by grace. Again, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. Grace is a gift. It's nothing that we can earn. We don't deserve it, right? So what then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. Again, there it is again. So again, uh, election is a reality, okay? Um, and how did the elect receive it? Because they did receive it by grace, and not by works, right? But the elect did. Look at this. The others were hardened, verse 7. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And Paul is quoting Deuteronomy 29.4 and Isaiah 29.10 in those verses. Um, and so we see this here. What's this mean? Um what then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened. Wow. The others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. Again, very difficult language here, okay? This, uh, this phrase, God gave them a spirit of stupor, in my study, apparently a spirit of stupor is where... You have no capacity to understand spiritual reality in any manner or in any way. You are just completely dead, tone deaf to understanding spiritual reality in any manner or in any way. That's what a, a spirit of stupor would be, okay? No capacity at all to, to, to understand uh, your, your, your state of sinfulness and your, your need of a savior, your desperate need of a savior. Um, but man, the others were hardened. So why is this? Why would, why would God harden those who have not received salvation? Um, and so, you know, when we reject Jesus Christ over and over and over and over, um, we begin to, to harden our own hearts. Okay. Our hearts begin to get hard. Now, again, um, you know, in, uh, in chapter 9, Paul referenced, uh, you know, God hardening Pharaoh's heart. But remember, Pharaoh hardened his own heart on his own several times before God ever hardened his heart. So, you know, there is a place, and this is scary. If, if you've been playing around with this, okay, and just, you know, just being casual about eternity, 
casual about what it means to really to approach God, casual about who Jesus is, uh, you begin to harden your heart more and more and more and more. And there gets to be a place where, where God may step in and, and just and further you along in that, okay? Now, does this mean that God would harden hearts that would otherwise receive him? Certainly not, okay? This is not by any means saying that that someone would, would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that God would look down and see that someone in their life is going to repent and receive Jesus Christ, but, you know, he's otherwise going to go and harden their hearts, okay? Um, again, none of us, no one could receive Jesus as Savior without his mercy. Every single one of us is an object of grace. If God hadn't made the first move toward us, okay, if he hadn't come to us, then none of us could receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Again, we are all objects of grace. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. Wow. So again, um, you know, they rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They rejected him. And finally, he just turned them over to, uh, to what they, you know, to their own desires, to their own whims, to uh, he turned them over to their own rejection. And that's something that all of us ought to be afraid of, right? Verse nine. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. And that's Psalm 69, 22 and 23. Um, again, hard words. Um, you know, Paul's going to go on to say that, you know, that, that we ought to fear that we shouldn't be arrogant. He's going to say that in the upcoming verses. And we'll get into that next time um, that, that we stand by faith. So we shouldn't be proud or arrogant that, uh, you know, that we got all this figured out, but, you know, you know, we, we ought to have a certain, uh, a certain fear of God, a certain reverence, uh, a certain just, just true humility and thankfulness and gratitude um, that, that we do believe in Jesus and we do have eyes that see and ears that hear. You notice how every teaching, I, I pray generally, Father, give us eyes or ask the Holy Spirit to give us eyes that see, ears to hear, hearts that understand, right? Because when you see verses here, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And then again, Paul quoting hard words from David um, of, again, God the Father just turning people over as he says in Romans chapter one, to their own desires. May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May all these false things that you set up for yourself, may they just be a stumbling block and even a retribution for you. So we wanna, you always wanna, you wanna stand in front of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the truth of the word of God. And we wanna help others do that. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Wow. Well, Father, we, we thank you for your tremendous mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you that you've had so much mercy on us. Lord, we know that we are objects of grace, Lord. Lord, we know we cannot work our way to heaven. We know that we cannot work off our sin, Lord. We are hopeless, helpless, desperate. We need a Savior. And Lord Jesus, we believe you to be 
the Son of God and our only hope for salvation. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you. Father, I do pray for your mercy and all those who don't know you, that you would have mercy on them, Lord, and that they would open their hearts and that they would receive Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, again, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see Jesus, ears to hear him, hearts to understand him. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.